Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Story time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. My husband and I were out cross country skiing. We had just crossed a remote country road and were about to ski across a field. On the other side of this field, we spotted an extremely large wolf standing just inside of the tree line. I felt uncomfortable as the creature was staring right at us, following our movements. My husband, carrying a 22 rifle on his back on a sling, brought the rifle down, chambered a cartridge, and fired into the ground in front of the creature. The creature looked at the ground, then back at us, and began to growl. The growl went up and down in sound, and it was very deep and menacing. My husband shouldered his rifle again, but did not fire. What really gave me the chills was the look on the creature's face. I felt that the creature knew that the rifle was small caliber, and was not something that could kill it with one shot. Moments later, my husband fired again, this time into a tree next to the creature. The creature didn't flinch, 
But what it did next made both of us flee in terror. About 30 seconds after the second shot, the creature stood up on two legs. One of its front legs arms was against the tree that my husband shot. The growling continued, but it had increased in volume, and the creature was moving its jaws up and down, as if gnashing its teeth. My husband fired three shots directly at the creature, all three hitting it in the chest. The creature let out a drawn-out scream or howl, and ran off into the forest on two legs. We fled the other way back towards our vehicle. As we were skiing back, we had to pass through a small area of the forest. As we were passing through, we could hear something running towards us from a distance through the woods. We cleared the woods without anything happening, but when we broke out of the forest, we estimated that whatever was chasing us was no more than 35-40 yards behind us. I had my cell phone with me, and was thinking about using it to take a picture of the creature. Suddenly, I got a feeling, that if I took a photograph, the creature would kill both of us. The feeling was so strong that I immediately shoved the phone in my pocket. It wasn't as if the creature sent me a psychic message, or anything. It was just a feeling. One thing I must mention, in a hushed, embarrassed voice. When we made it back to our vehicle, I noticed that I had actually peed my pants. I didn't even notice until the adrenaline rush ended. I had been so scared that I lost control of my bladder. I always thought that was, just something from the movies. As a former ranger, I used to work alone near the outside of Big Bend National Park here in Texas. It can be pretty secluded in certain areas. During my time, I can't even begin to tell you how many strange things I saw or heard. But this is one encounter that is still very fresh in my mind. Now, before I go on, I've heard and seen all sorts of incredibly creepy things. I've had my own skinwalker sightings, a Bigfoot sighting, and there are lots of things out there that go bump in the night that many refuse to talk about. If you meet the right people, they are usually willing to open up and speak about it. But you have to be careful, especially when it involves your line of work. It can definitely affect your career, and how you are viewed as a professional. If you're perceived as crazy or being a nut, good luck getting hired anywhere or advancing your career, especially if you tell people that you saw a skinwalker or a Bigfoot. This night though, something happened that I never thought possible. My work partner, another ranger, and I were on duty. We were both driving back from the station when we heard something very odd. It sounded like a woman's scream mixed with the sound of weeping. It was loud, shrill, lasting only a few seconds. The more I think about it, the more my skin crawls. We did not see anything out of the ordinary, just heard the sound. The next day when we checked on our equipment, one of the cameras was not functioning properly. It recorded the sounds that we had heard, but did not capture any kind of visual. Two weeks later, I heard the same sound while I was patrolling, right around 3 in the morning. It was unusually dark when I heard the sound. It instantly sent a chill down my spine, and the immediate feeling of fear gripped me. It was so real and so incredibly bizarre. I thought, what was that? It sounded like it came from a woman but not. I was alone this time and I certainly didn't want to be, not after hearing that. But the only thing I could do was call for backup. At that hour, I would have brought the fear of God to anybody who came out there with me. It sounded like somebody screaming. I mean, I'm not crazy. I know what I heard. I just can't explain it. I'm here to tell you that many people would write this off and just say, Oh, you heard a mountain lion. That's not what this sounded like. I've heard mountain lion and cougar on multiple occasions, and while they can sound like a woman screaming bloody murder, that's not what this sounded like. The tone was audibly deeper, and it just sounded different. I obviously wouldn't have been so terrified if it had sounded exactly like that of a cougar. Now, this would happen again for the few following nights. Each and every time, it would make my skin literally crawl. 
After what I believe to be about three weeks after the initial audible noises that I first heard, my partner and I were working together again, patrolling the same area at the same time. We both see movement off in the distance in the same direction that we'd heard the screams the first few times. My partner was actually the first one to see it and point out the dark figure moving in the distance. I had to squint my eyes and realize that what we were seeing is a creature moving with its mouth wide open, as though it was screaming. We watched it as it moved very quickly to the desert underbrush. The movement from this creature was as if it had glided towards the underbrush, and not typically run like a quadrupedal animal would. The only reason why we didn't immediately panic, was that what we were seeing was just so outrageously bizarre that for the first few seconds, we couldn't handle what we were seeing. Neither of us screamed, and we didn't run like it was some kind of monster ghost, but we did eventually hightail it out of there. I think we were just so shocked and stunned. I'm not saying that I know what this creature is that we saw there in Big Bend National Park. But judging by its physical appearance, it reminded me of what many people claim to be a ghoul. Ghouls are similar to crawlers or rakes in that they are all white, and have very wide open mouths. I only know these things because I decided to do a little bit of research into cryptozoology after the sighting to try and educate myself on what it is that I saw. The main reason being I wanted to know if these things are dangerous or pose a threat. From everything I've read, they definitely do. I can't prove it was a ghoul, but based on everything that I saw and experienced, things all point to that. I don't want to just write this off as nothing because nothing will never terrify me as personally as this did. I've been having nightmares about it pretty much non-stop. I figured sharing my experience with the world is probably the best thing I can do. After all, this is not something that you hear about every day but I know I did not want to go back there. I'm planning on making an official report eventually for the National Park Service, but we wanted to get more information out there from users. This is one of the many things that has happened over the course of my career. Feel free to ask questions. It was 2.30 AM and another night of not being able to sleep due to back pain. I was lying on my side, reading, when my very close by neighbor's motion detector light turned on. This happens from time to time. When it turns on, it lights up the entire side of my house. We have lived here for 9 years, and I have never once seen anything walk past my bedroom window at night. Since I was facing my large bedroom window, the very bright motion detector light going off caught my attention. I looked up and saw the side silhouette of a dogman, I said. Holy crap, it was walking past my bedroom window. I saw it from mid-shoulders up. The shoulders were huge, and its head was huge. It had pointed ears, like a German shepherd dog, and a long snout. Its mouth was slightly open, as I saw a large tongue that seemed to be lolling to the side of its mouth. When I saw this creature and spoke those words, I could swear that things slowed down, smirked, and then kept going. That's all I saw that night. Last week though, while in my bedroom again, I heard something huge land on the ground behind my bedroom wall. That wall has no windows. I heard deep, kind of raspy breathing. I started praying, pleading the blood of Jesus over my house, the grounds around it, and all. I do this most nights, but sometimes I forget. I'm awake most nights until 3 AM or later due to having severe spine issues, as well as fibromyalgia. We live in a lovely manufactured home community. There are lots of trees around here, and it's very close to canals, large open fields, and woods. I know this is what I saw, but the fact that I saw it has left me amazed. Why is that when so many are also seeing them? I guess I just thought since I am in the house most of the time due to my health, I would never see them. The space between my neighbor's house and ours is about 10 feet. My husband went outside weeks later once I got the courage to tell him this had happened, and measured the area by the window. That dogman had to be at least 8 feet tall. 
What concerns me greatly is that no one in the police department or government will alert people to their existence. People are walking around feeling a false sense of security. I know I did. I won't even try to walk outside anymore. And yes, I have cautioned my neighbors. The ones with the security light. I can't think of any other details right now, but it's important for you to know that several years ago, a homeless woman was camping out down by the river here in Albany. She was found dead, and her tent was really torn up. I believe the police report in the newspaper said she was torn up as well, but I honestly can't remember any of the details. To the best of my knowledge, no one was ever caught for that crime. This is a sleepy town, just over 50,000 people. We no longer get the newspaper, so I have no idea if this has happened again. I do know that a couple was down by that same area and saw a dogman. It really frightened them badly. About three years ago, I encountered what I could only explain then as a deformed hyena. It was in the later part of the day under dusky conditions, and I was small game hunting at the time. I did not feel any fear because I was carrying my over-under shotgun at this time. Its eyes were kind of strange, and I remember it had very pointy ears. Its head was almost cartoon-like as its snout had messed up overgrown hair. Its fangs look unusually long too. For some time before I seen it, I heard a very very long coughing noise, like a cat coughing up a fur ball. However this went on for a long time, so whatever did it had strong and large lung capacity. I doubt a lynx or cat could have been the noise maker. I have no idea if this dog-like creature was the source of this strange and long coughing fit. Another strange thing along this trail, I always seem to be under the watchful eyes of a high-flying turkey vulture. Now these are newcomers to Alberta, but a few mating pairs have been reported up here, and this is common local knowledge that no one questions. This coughing bout I have heard at least onth before in this specific area. Never seen the source in the nearby dense boreal forest. This wooded area is kind of on the edge of oil exploration, and is an active work area now so I don't hunt there anymore. Which is too bad as it's chock full of small game such as rabbits and grouse. During this encounter the woods were unnaturally quiet, it's hard to move in many areas off trail because the evergreen limbs reach so far close to the ground an upright person would be stooped over to move at any kind of speed in many areas. Quadrapes have a definite advantage here over people and the area is also ringed with swamps and marshy very uneven goron that one could easily turn your ankle on. There were other strange moments then, I think when I did see this animal, I sat down on a large rock with my gun across my lap, and caught the first glimpse, as it was circling me I think to catch my scent on the wind. I just caught a glimpse of it passing behind a tree in the dusky light conditions. It had hawks like a dog. But as it came around the tree, still on all four legs I noticed the front legs were longer than the back legs, its back bowed upward, and I got the distinct impression its frontal back, chest and leg muscles were much more pronounced and muscular than its back legs. I believe the front coat was a lighter color with some reddish tones too. Looked like a hyena loose in North America to my own eyes. It w is not a black bear. I am very familiar with bears. It was canine-like, but not any canine I have ever seen before or since. My brother he was not there found a near-perfect picture of another critter online, on another crypto site, and the picture was said to be taken very near the Wisconsin River. In the picture it looked like it was on farmland corral or fence line, in the early spring because of white and light snow cover was the near twin to what I saw that fall evening in Alberta. My encounter took place many years ago. I never had the faintest explanation for it until a couple months ago, when I randomly stumbled across Dogman on the internet. I was in my early 20s, working swing shifts at the time and commuting about 100 miles each way, so it was usually around 2 in the morning by the time I got home. 
I saw the monster as I called it on the northernmost section of Trunk Road in the Matanuska Valley in Alaska. This area is roughly smack in between the towns of Palmer and Wasilla. I was only about 10 miles from home at that point, so it must have been around 2 am. Trunk Road is a narrow, two-lane road, consisting of nothing but twists and turns. The surrounding terrain is somewhat swampy and thick with black spruce. It was late October, days before Halloween. There was no snow on the ground, but it was cold enough to be wary of ice. I was driving an 82 Subaru SW, going about 20 miles per hour around a curve, when my headlights caught a large, dark figure up ahead. I'm bad at judging distance, maybe six car lengths away. I instinctively let off the gas, coasting closer. At first I assumed it was a moose, as the area is infested with them. But no, it was standing upright. Bear then. No, not a bear. It looked so strange. Tall enough to be an uncommonly large bear, but far too slender, and it looked like it had spikes running down its neck and back. A Halloween prop. Odd but effective place for one. All those thoughts ran through my head in a fraction of a second. The car was still coasting closer, and I could see more details. It was standing in profile, gazing across the road. I could clearly see its wolfish muzzle, large, upright ears. The spikes on its back were in fact clumps of fur. Its spine curved in a smooth, very natural-looking way. It was standing in the ditch, inches from the pavement. Because I was focused on its upper body, I do not recall anything about its back legs, or if it had a tail. I did see its front legs though. Very doggy looking, hanging awkwardly down and slightly toward its front, exactly as you'd expect if a dog stood upright. While it clearly had a canine look, there was still something off about it that I cannot articulate. It was perfectly still, and at this point, given the proximity to Halloween, I was quite convinced it was some sort of Halloween prop, because it was clearly not any kind of existing animal. I was deeply impressed and gently stepped on the brakes, intending to stop and examine it closely. Then it turned its head towards me. In the tiny fraction of a second that it took for it to swivel its head, I knew I had made a terrible mistake. The fluidness of its movement removed any and all doubt that this was some kind of prop. It was horribly, terrifyingly alive. The pale, off-white glow of its eyeshine in the headlights destroyed any possibility of a human in a costume. I think I sat there gaping at it in shock for a few seconds, the car barely moving by now, but still inching closer. As I was almost upon it, I think it could have leaned forward and touched the car if it had wanted I had to look up to see its face. Again I'm a bad judge of such things, but I am 5 foot 4. And it was a hell of a lot taller than me. Tall like a polar bear standing. 7 feet. 8. I really can't say. I snapped out of my trance and slammed on the gas. The car fishtailed and I prepared myself for death by monster, as I was certain I'd end up in the ditch. But the tires caught the pavement, and I drove like a complete maniac all the way home. I did not look back. I have only been on that section of road a few times since, never alone and never in the dark. For the next several years of driving that commute, I went 20 plus miles out of the way to avoid trunk road. The thing never made any aggressive moves, but there was something about it that felt very, I don't know, predatory. I never saw anything remotely like it again, and never heard any stories about it in the area. I just wanted to share an incident that I experienced in Point Pleasant, West Virginia where I went to high school. I was in a video production class right around the time, the movie The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere was being made. So we decided to make a documentary. We spoke to a woman in her 70s who, during the time of the original sightings back in the 1960s, said that she was out riding her horse one day, and she said she suddenly felt someone sit down behind her. All of a sudden the horse bucked her off and went crazy. She chased the horse down and then looked at the horse. Burned into the flesh of the horse were the legs of a humanoid. 
She immediately got in contact with a veterinarian, who came to their farm to treat the horse. The veterinarian never asked how the horse got burned, as if he had seen this type of burn before. Other than the burn, the horse was fine. Later that week, she confided to a friend that whatever it was that sat behind her on the horse had very thin, insect-like legs. She also said that it had the odor of ammonia. She also said that when she was backed off the horse, she caught a glimpse of the being on the horse. She saw a huge butterfly-like wings that were yellow in color. She swears up and down that this was the Mothman. Also, it turns out that the veterinarian was one of the 46 victims who died during the Silver Bridge collapse on December 15, 1967. I just thought that was an interesting story. Let me preface this letter with a quick description of my background. I am a retired military veteran with three decades of active duty serving my country and its citizens. I've been honored and privileged to be in command on many occasions during my career, and have seen both the bounty of peaceful time, and the horror of all-out war. You name it I've probably seen it and been through it in the S military. I do not write this to impress, I merely wish to state the facts so that you may judge the accuracy of what I'm about to tell you. So now, the facts as I know them to be my first face-to-face -face encounter with Dogman. It was five years ago in 2019, and there have been more since then my first Dogman experience took place in the western United States. I have a cabin in a national forest which is nestled in a beautiful valley located 50 miles up a dirt road at a fairly high elevation, and is only accessible from late spring to late fall depending on how early or late the snowfall is each year. Most years it is impossible to get to the cabin from Thanksgiving through Labor Day due to heavy snow and ice on the dirt road that runs up to that part of the national forest. But four years ago in January, there was no snow, and since it is rare to be able to go there at that time of year, a friend and I decided to risk it and go up for New Year and planned on staying a week or so. We decided that if snow started falling while we were there, we'd retreat from it quickly and drive out in time before the road became impassable and safely make it down the mountain. We launched from the city, got to the cabin around midday, and found there were a few inches of snow on the ground around it. Ever alert for animal tracks and prints I examined the snow for them I found bear, deer, cougar prints, and something else I was unfamiliar with and had never seen before. I now know that they were dogman tracks. Not knowing what the dogman track were at the time I first saw them, I filed them away in my mind as a new experience and a new bit of data. Then my friend and I began powering up and commissioning the cabin, turning on the power and the water and the gas. The cabin has living quarters on one side and a huge garage with two huge aircraft-style hangar doors to slide open. I unlocked and opened the hangar doors about six feet wide. Then my friend and I began unloading the supplies from my jeep parked in the carport, and took them through the hangar and into the cabin proper. As the afternoon progressed we settled in, restocked the cabin supplies, and cleaned a bit here and there. I never go unarmed into that wilderness, so one of the first things I like to do when I get to the cabin is to lay out whatever weapons I have brought with me on a big table out in the hangar. I did this and checked and loaded all the weapons. I also turned on and stocked the gas-powered refrigerator which I keep out in the hangar with some of the food I had brought that needed to be kept cool. Then I returned inside the cabin proper and settled in for an adult libation and an afternoon and bowl session with my friend. After a bit of telling stories between ourselves, I noticed the sun had set behind the mountains and it was beginning to get dark outside. It was time to begin prepping for dinner, I told my friend I would get some steaks out of the fridge in the hangar and went to do so. That's when something completely unexpected happened. As I walked through the door from the cabin into the hangar, I took one two three steps and froze. I was being sighted by something outside. It was staring at me through the open hangar doors with murderous intent. In that split second, 
all the hair on the back of my neck and arms stood straight up, and I started getting what I call my gut warning. I've only gotten those before when flying into live fire from the ground, or when in other combat situations in wartime. Yet, here I was in the middle of the American wilderness getting the very same well-known sensation stronger than ever. I was pretty certain that it was not a human. I didn't freeze but my brain began racing. Instead of walking to the fridge I quickly went over to the weapons table, picked up a large gauge handgun, checked if it was loaded, and stuck it in my belt. Then I picked up one of the already loaded rifles. Once armed I then advanced towards the open hangar doors with the rifle in my hands. I got to the open hangar doors I raised the rifle and started appraising the situation through its scope, swinging it to the left and to the right. It was so dark by then that I could see little but vague tree shapes and the blobs of bushes outside in the forest. Then suddenly, as I swung the rifle to the right, the feeling of being intently watched switched off, like flipping a light switch off. I stood there for a bit waiting for the tingle of my intuitive gut warning sign to reappear. After a little while the feeling of being watched didn't return, so I closed and locked the hangar doors, grabbed some dinner steaks from the fridge, and went back inside. Later that night after dinner and KP duty, I armed myself, opened the cabin door, and stood in the doorway. As soon as I did the feeling of being watched started up again, only not as intense as the first time. I stood there for a while, and then once again the feeling of being watched switched off like a switch. The rest of the evening I turned the sequence of events around and around in my head, but could not make any sense of this creature. It just didn't add up. Could it have been a murderous bear that had gotten a taste for, long pig human flesh? All of these thoughts and more went through my mind as I sat there gazing at the wood stove fire in front of me inside the cabin and eventually, I gave up obsessing about it. I told my friend we should hit our racks so we turned in and slept straight through the night with no further incidents. You're probably asking why I didn't leave the cabin the next day. All I can say is that I am perhaps a little too stubborn and have never believed in retreat of any kind. To me, that is paying for the same ground twice, and you have to remember that I've been going to my cabin for 20 years now and have never experienced anything like being watched or hunted. Not ever, not even close. The next morning we did the usual shower and shave routine, and while having a cup of coffee outside in the carport, the feeling of being watched returned, only it was weaker, as if it was from a distance. As the feeling of being watched returned, I still couldn't make heads or tails of the situation I found myself in, but I was adapting as fast as I could. So, I told my friend we would be staying close to the cabin for the duration of our stay. I didn't want to take any chances with this new unknown threat, so I told my friend that I was concerned about bears in the area. My friend took this at face value and agreed to stay close to the cabin and its immediate grounds for the duration of our stay. In the days that followed, I got the sensation of being watched from time to time during the day, but it was always weak and seemed to be from far away. But every time I opened the cabin door at night, and stood there looking out into the night, the feeling returned very strong and very close, like it was that very first night inside the partially open hangar doors. I forgot to mention that I have a pair of Generation 3 military night vision goggles, I use these every night when standing at the cabin door looking for whatever was outside watching us. Each and every time I put the goggles on the feeling of being watched switched off as I explained earlier. This whole situation was darn peculiar, and I just couldn't explain any of it in a rational way that made sense. All I knew was my training from the past, and that if I stuck to that, then my friend, and I would be okay. If I developed a plan for the day I felt it would be alright, and after all, we had plenty of weapons and food. The procedure I settled on was simple. Don't go outside at night, don't leave any doors open, and stay very close to the cabin at all times. Most of the time we sat in the carport on folding camping chairs just shooting the breeze. Also, keep yourself armed and have extra firearms close at hand, 
and most important, never ever go anywhere alone. By midweek, after being at the cabin for four days, we began to get used to this watcher, because it too was following a set of rules, and never came into sight. It stayed a certain distance from the cabin. It made absolutely no noise at any time at night. It came closer and stared at the cabin, and waited for me to open the door and look around. As soon as I used the night vision goggles, it took off and so forth and so on. On the fourth day at the cabin, my friend insisted on going on a hike. I sensed that I would have the opportunity to figure out who the watcher was. I was using my friend as bait, for what I was mentally calling the watcher, but I really wanted to know what this thing was. I figured my friend would be safe with me well armed, and watching them from a distance. So we agreed. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style that he would hike down the dirt road for a short distance and then come back. My friend got ready to go, excited to get away from the cabin for a spell. I armed myself well. I holstered and put a large bore revolver on each hip. I double-checked the load on my R15 and slung it in front of me. Then, at the last moment, I don't know why, I slung my old trusty full-auto machine gun on my back. It is what you might call the spoils of war, and has never failed me in the past. My friend was ready to launch down the road, and I was just as ready to watch him do so. He took off and I watched as he walked down the cabin access road to the main dirt road. As soon as he was out of sight I jogged over to a knoll that had a commanding view of the road, and the entire valley and worked my way into some old growth bushes. From there I watched as my friend started going down the road, and within an instant, I saw something else just off the road behind my friend. It was big and black and stood upright on two legs, and it was fast. It had a weird flippy floppy zigzagging gait, but it zipped from tree to tree incredibly fast, following my friend as he walked down the road. In an instant, I knew that this thing was the watcher that had been spying and watching us all week and it was not a bear. I raised my rifle and tried to see it through the scope. My first glimpse of it was its head and upper body. It had the head of a dog. I swear it had the head of a huge dog. A little stunned I suddenly remembered my training and lowered my rifle sight to its legs. I saw huge muscular legs like those you would see on an Olympic heavyweight lifter. Its short dense black fur became sparse going down to its feet and those toes had huge curved talons, not nails. They weren't quite as big as the velociraptor dinosaur talons from the Jurassic Park movies that everyone in the western world has seen, but they were almost as big, and they looked incredibly lethal, like overkill, lethal in a split second. I took this all in. Then I pulled the rifle back up to sight on its head and chest, and it was staring back at me, staring directly at me from about 100 yards away. I got a good look as it stared at me. It had a huge head, I would say much bigger than a human. It had short smooth black fur and a huge jaw that was slightly parted. I saw large white canine teeth in its mouth. Its eyes were deep dark red, and as I watched, it started to squint its eyes and really got a good look at me. The longer I looked at it, 
and it looked back at me my brain tried to compare it to other dogs I've seen in my life. To me, its head looked like a cross between a German Shepherd and a Black Lab. But it was huge, absolutely huge. I got the sense that this thing was mean and pissed off. I instinctively decided to shoot it. Just as I put my finger on the trigger of my R, and was about to pull it, I was interrupted by the noise of a vehicle coming up the dirt road in the distance. I stopped sitting on the beast for an instant and looked down the road, and then I swung my gaze back to the beast. It was gone. I lowered my rifle and scanned for it, and I couldn't believe what I saw. It was running away, faster than anything I've ever seen run. It ran through the trees so fast it was a blur, and was running on two legs. Then it burst out of the tree line, and went to all four limbs, and actually increased its speed. It started going through a boulder field, and then took off upslope at such a terrific speed that I remember saying to myself out loud, You've got to be kidding me, nothing runs that fast. I watched as it got to the steep granite mountainside across the valley, and it just went straight up it, seemingly floating over the rock, it was so fast, and it was gone in seconds. I tried to process what I had seen. As the vehicle came up the road, it was a US Forest Service Jeep with a ranger inside making his rounds for the week. The ranger stopped and talked to my friend down in the road, and I watched as they chatted away. Eventually, my friend finished talking to the ranger, then he started up his jeep and drove off. My friend started hiking back to the cabin. When my friend returned to the cabin, it was late in the day, and I told them we'd be leaving the next day. Obviously, I walked around outside the cabin heavily armed after that. A little while later I noticed the ranger in his jeep parked down at my access road gate. I walked down there to chat as I've known that guy for about the past 10 years. We talked about nothing for a few moments, and then I said, Hey, have you ever seen or heard reports of a huge dog running around these parts? The guy looked at me oddly and very coldly said, We don't talk about that stuff. Without another word, he started his jeep and drove off as I was in the middle of saying, What do you mean? What aren't you saying? What's going on? I looked back up the road thinking to myself what the heck is going on up here. It's never been like this before and so forth. I walked back to the cabin. I couldn't get the image of that dog face with the red eyes out of my head that night inside the safety of the cabin. My friend chattered on about how good the hike was while I listened absentmindedly, I replayed over and over in my head, the events of that day. My mind kept returning to the image I had seen in my rifle scope, and began filling in details that I hadn't noticed in the heat of the moment of that first real look at the creature. I finally got a few hours of sleep and slept in a bit. The next morning I woke happy to see the daylight and thinking for the first time in my life that I'd be glad to leave the cabin that day. But little did I know our last day at the cabin would turn out to be the strangest one of all. In the mid-1980s, I was told about an encounter that occurred not too far from State College, Pennsylvania Center County. A 19-year-old local resident happened to be looking out his bedroom window, which provided an excellent view of a pasture just west of his house. It was early morning about 6.30 a.m. local time, but there was plenty of light to see clearly. He was in the process of getting ready for work. When he looked out the window, he noticed a tall, hairy creature walking in the pasture, coming from the north. The creature was taking long smooth strides, and its arms moved back and forth as a human would. It did not appear to have a neck, but was capable of turning its head, as it was constantly looking around. Except for the face, the creature was covered entirely with brown or black medium-length hair. The witness was able to see the face and noticed that the forehead protruded distinctly. Also, it appeared the nose was wide and pushed close to the face. The height was approximately 8 feet. As the witness observed, the creature continued walking until it was south of the house. Suddenly, the creature stopped walking when the witness noticed two other similar creatures join it. Both were about about a foot shorter than the first. 
At this point, one of the creatures reached down and picked up a piece of lumber that was part of a new shed being built. The larger creature started walking swiftly towards the house until it was within 50 feet of the residence. It stopped suddenly, made a few loud grunting sounds, and glared toward the window from where the witness was watching. The witness ducked and crawled to the far end of the bedroom. After a few minutes, the witness got up and looked out the window. The creatures were gone. Later that day, the witness and a friend discovered large, unusual tracks in the pasture. It's not known if this incident was ever reported, but I do know that at least one local police officer knew what had happened and confirmed it with me. He seemed to be convinced that the witness was upstanding and honest, but very private. The witness did move away from the area, not long after the encounter fearing that the creatures would harm him. You know that Indian folklore in part tells the truth. I'll explain. Back in December 2001 to be exact, I went on a cruise to the Caribbean. It was a Royal Caribbean cruise. On our third or fourth day, we landed in Puerto Rico. One hour into port, a group of 10 of us got a tour guide for just about an hour. Well, the tour guide was explaining spots of interest on the island. But since it was like a rainy overcast day, he said that it wouldn't be possible to visit those sites. He took us to the beach in San Juan. We all got out, the sun was out just for like 20 minutes. I was married to my ex-wife at the time, and I was taking pictures of her just a couple feet from our tour bus. Well, I saw the clouds coming in, the cloud was shaped almost like an arrow, and at the tip of the arrow were two giant birds. They both had white rings on their necks, one was way larger, and the other one was about the size of a Cessna propeller airplane. I yelled to the tour guide to look up at the clouds and repeated to all the members to look up. But by that time, the two giant birds went straight up higher than the clouds. Then the rain came down and we quickly got into the bus. Nobody believed me. I took pictures of the cloud. I still have them but the birds weren't in the view. Indian legend says these birds bring rain clouds to villages that are in need of rain for planting their harvest. In a way the Indians were right. I live in North Carolina, Durham specifically. My family lives in a standard two-story house in the middle of a run-of-the-mill neighborhood lots of intersecting roads etc. On the night of the question, my family was going to visit a relative who had given birth recently in Greensboro, so I had the house to myself. I was getting home at around 8-9 p.m. and decided to bring my dog in. She stays outside in the kennel for the day until we bring her in for the night. Our house has a garage attached to the left of it, and the garage has a back door that leads into the backyard. Her kennel is just to your right as you exit the door, with a 4-5 or five feet clearance or path between it, and the garage there is also a bed of rock just up against the house, which will be important. She had recently been taken to the vet for her distressed behavior, which is why I had to stay home to be with her. The evening went fine, I watched a movie to pass the time. I then took her out to use the bathroom before being put up for the night, around 12-1. I took her out the back garage door with her long leash, I was wearing socks and didn't feel like getting them soaked. She usually does her business in that little clearing between the kennel and garage, so I let her walk through it. Our garage has a single light on the back wall, not LED or really bright so I can see her somewhat well while she does it. She's facing me when suddenly her backside lifts almost one or two feet into the air. I assumed some wild dog or something had tried to drag her. She runs back to me and I hear rustling among the rocks, and this figure stops right as it enters visible view in the light. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was tall. I'm six foot two and I had to look slightly up to see where I thought its head was. It was pale but not white or grey, just a normal pale flesh color like someone who spends a week or two indoors. It was lanky, 
not really anorexic or anything but definitely disproportionate. It looked at me for a good 1-2 seconds before it backtracked in the quickest manner I could ever replicate. As soon as it went I booked it back inside. I was torn about calling the police if neighbors who had heard my scream hadn't. Behold almost half an hour later, the police arrive in my driveway, I told them that I had seen a man in the backyard, leaving out the whole tall demon crap going on. I have been contemplating whether it was some creature or some NBA-bound nude meth head. Once again, I don't count myself as a believer in the Bigfoot or Mothman, but I really don't know WTF happened. I'm most definitely not taking the dog out alone anytime soon. What the hell is was thing? Why was it in a suburban neighborhood? Should I bother telling my family when they get back? I was driving up to visit my dad in Clear Lake, California. I was on a route that took Highway 20 which winds through hills and rocks that sidles along Cache Creek in some spots and goes through Indian Reservation. I left really early in the morning to try and get to his place around 6 am. I hadn't seen him in some years, had never been up to his place there, and wanted to go fishing with him, his retirement pastime. So I'm rolling along about 3 am, it's dark as f out there, and I come around a turn onto a straight section of the road. I can see down the road far enough to see the next bend, and across the road looks like there's a parking lot. I can see the silhouette of cars parked on the opposite side of road, but as I approach something seems off. It looked like there were 15-20 cars parked randomly around the dirt between the road and the drop down to the creek, and at least a dozen or more people just kind of standing around. Not all together, not really in groups of more than two randomly dispersed around the cars. No fire, no flashlights, no headlights, no interior lights. It was like they were in stasis until I got closer. I could see heads turning my way and one of the people starts running toward the road as I approach the corner trying to wave me down. Nope. I gassed around the turn and left them in my tail lights. I've come to understand that there are outfitters that lead rafting trips down the creek, but at the time of year in question, it's too low for that. Debutief were all of those people doing standing around in the dark, why would they need to flag down some rando in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night? It just had bad vibes all around, and my instincts have served me well over the years, so that as they say is that. Lived in eastern Kentucky all my life, a cousin and I were out just walking through the hills when she took a step her leg fell through an old wooden box, and when we started looking around there where rocks standing up in rows we kept looking, and there was an old bigger rock someone had scraped the words only little ones buried here it was an old graveyard of all kids. Our family owned the land for almost 80 years, and no one knew it was there. Of course when we told it they all went to look. Then one day me and my same cousin, and a neighborhood kid went out again, we found a small cave, nothing unusual about that in the hills, but it had old chains bolted to it with some kind of old rusty cuffs. Like for people there were also old rusty cans and a pot way up a mountainside. I've always wondered why they were there and who was chained up. Quick stop after snowboarding at Snowbowl in Flagstaff, Arizona, one early evening in winter. Not dark yet, but nearing sunset. Found what we thought was a secluded and romantic place before my partner, and I would be going out separate ways for a couple weeks. Pulled off on a forest road right off the mountain, walked a short distance and noticed I was not alone. There were dead animals littered on the ground next to me. Not just any though, they were all babies. Different species as well, foxes, javelina, coyotes. I tell my partner who then sees more dead animals over where he is about 20 feet away. We realized they were everywhere. We felt extremely sickened and got out of there fast. This has been about 8 years back, but it was clear none of them were used for their meat, 
and all were destroyed, bellies cut open, weird stuff. Honestly it was so disturbing, I did not want to look closely. Did report to game and fish non-emergency, and never heard anything back. In the middle of the hills. Riding my horse through the hills my horse started snorting. I smelled a back smell, but my nose was runny anyways from allergies. My horse kept stopping and wanting to turn back. I had to go forward or I could not get to where I was going. We got to a big rut like where a stream once was, and there was a big tarp with cinder blocks on top of it. My horse was so nervous he rushed past it real quick jumping over it. I turned around to look and saw an arm. This was before cell phones. Rode home fast as I could and told my mom. The cops came and I had to show them where it was. Long story short, turned out to be a hooker. They figured she had only been there a day or two. My friend and I trespassed into the old and abandoned train station in our town. It was a huge abandoned complex with a three-story office building on one side, and the giant wooden and concrete station on the other side with three four stories. This place had been abandoned for 20 plus years at least. We already knew that within the last 5-10 years, someone had been cooking meth in part of the building and a fire broke out. So one end was pretty burned down. We came in at the second story of the station to see the roof and floor caving into the first level from the fire. As we continued on the daylight was no longer reaching the interior of the building, so we turned our torches on. We saw proof of a homeless population living there, but no one was around. We kept on through the building trying to get to the other side, where there was more natural light that would lead out toward the office building. Okay so the creepiest thing I remember seeing in this very old, very abandoned and filthy place was all in one room in the middle of the station. The ceilings had to be 15 feet high or more, and on one end of the wall in one cavernous room were cages. These cages or cells were as tall as the ceiling. One cell could easily fit an elephant I swear. But these cells were immaculately clean. The metal wasn't tarnished or rusting, and there was even brand new wooden boards along the top and bottom of these cells that looked like they had just been installed. There was nothing in any of the cages. We left the station and went to the office building, where we found two dudes stripping copper from the walls. It was unnerving because we were two girls in our early 20s, but neither party said a word, and that's when we left. In college, my girlfriend at the time, and I needed to find an apartment for only one semester, which was impossible to find affordably in a college town. We ended up looking on Craigslist and living in a 2BR with this guy, let's call him Dirty Dan. Dirty Dan was in his early 30s. He was pretty much a stereotype nerd. Really tall and chubby, a gross beard and really long gross hair loved dungeons and dragons and video games and stuff like that. But he seemed nice, and he had a fully furnished apartment, and the rent was low. Dirty Dan became a terror to us. Here are some of his traits. His nice demeanor turned out to be the stereotype, nice guy behavior. He was low-key an asshole, and thought that acting polite entitled him to female attention. He didn't go to school or work, because he received social security for some undisclosed medical problem. Which meant he never left the house ever. Which would be one thing, but... He never left the living room, despite having his own large bedroom. He spent all of his time in there, including constantly falling asleep on the couch for hours and snoring. We basically could not use the living room, unless we wanted to hang out with him, which we didn't, because he drove us crazy. When we had friends over and did use the living room, he would just sit there awkwardly and silently on his computer, while we were hanging out or watching a movie with them. Then he would try to watch let's play videos on his laptop with the volume up and no headphones while we were all there. 
or he would fall asleep while we were all watching a movie and snore. He also only laid down, never sat up, so he always took up half the couch. He would invite himself to things we were doing, like we would be leaving to go somewhere, and he would just leave with us and invite himself. He got into some polyamorous relationship with two incredibly annoying girls. They would always be over in the living room too, and they spent most of their time discussing their sex life loudly, or looking at BDSMP on his Wii internet browser. He acted super creepy to any female friend we brought over, and as soon as they left would try to friend them on Facebook and hit on them. He would drink all of our alcohol. He was super passive aggressive, bitchy and paranoid. He became convinced that we were legitimately going to try and steal his cats after we made a passing joke about it. He was totally filthy, wore the same like thermal man leggings and t-shirt every day. The bathroom and fridge were disgusting when we moved in and if we didn't diligently clean them, he would let them become disgusting again. We grew to basically spend all our time in the apartment in our room, and absolutely hate having to interact with him. He had no social graces at all, and was passive-aggressive bitchy, and I heard more about his mountain troll sex life than anyone should. Kill Dirty Dan had just bought an old house, needed some roommates to help pay the bills. It was pre-GFC, and I doubt the bank would have lent me 300k plus on a 35k salary today. The few people who responded included a girl who wanted to know where she could put her five wardrobes, and another girl who wanted to know what equestrian facilities I was offering. Even though I kept telling her that it's only equine link, was that there were horses in a paddock on the other side of the road. Okay, but do you have an arena? How many seats does it have? Eventually I was forced to lower my already very low standards and took on some very sub-par housemates. Housemate one was as skinny as a rake and took my, hey, I'm cool, you can smoke whatever in the big shed if you want to mean, hey, why don't you and all your mates spend every night in the shed blasting Metallica through tiny speakers, leaving bongs everywhere and using my jars of nuts and nails as target practice. Housemate 2 seemed like a better candidate. He was unmarried, morbidly obese and between jobs, but was a qualified former chemical engineer with no pets. Only he wasn't. Firstly, the day before he moved in he admitted that he had a Maltese Terrier, and had intentionally not mentioned it, because he hadn't been able to find a place that would let him have a pet. I hate yappy dogs, but to its credit, it was pretty chill. Later I discovered that qualified chemical engineer is code for I once worked at a paint factory. Then he started bringing very young boys into his room at random hours who he introduced as his nephews, even though they very clearly were not. As if that wasn't disturbing enough, they actively avoided me, and did not look or talk to anyone else in the house, as if they had been instructed to stay quiet. He and his dog would spend the entire day sleeping in his room. As in, he may emerge once or twice a day to use the bathroom or kitchen, but that was it. The dog had a bowl which he kept full of food at all times which brought in mice from outside. I asked him to feed his dog by putting food in it once a day, and he informed me that wouldn't be possible as the dog likes to snack. I told him that the mice had to go, and if that meant his dog had to go, then so be it. He took the bowl away. Predictably, this made him get even bigger. He must have been more than 200 kilograms by this stage. But it wasn't caused by him sleeping all day. He blamed it on the chemicals at the paint factory he once worked at. In fact, he was trying to get a disability pension, so he wouldn't have to work again. Eventually the arguments between Metallica housemate and Lazy housemate over the late night music got to the point where Lazy housemate took out an AVO against Metallica housemate, because he threatened to stab his dog when he shouted at him to turn the music down. I decided the drama wasn't worth 2 by $100 per week, so I kicked them both out. 
A dear friend of mine who has since passed away hired a gardener through Craigslist. The gardener robbed him when my friend went to a different state for a wedding and kidnapped my friend's roommate. Gardener stole his car, drove his stuff and the roommate to another state, dropped it off with the gardener's brothers where the roommate was held hostage for a day. The stuff including plasma TV was fenced during this time. My friend gets home from his wedding and his garage door is open, other car is gone, and no one in sight. He walks inside to find his two dogs locked in a closet having eaten pillows for food. They needed surgery later. He calls the cops. Later that evening the roommate calls my friend for a pay phone. He was released by the brothers after all the stuff was fenced. But the gardener took the car and led police on a high speed chase. The gardener spent some time in jail and sent my friend a Christmas card that year, apologizing. This story is completely true, and if anyone wants more deets I can answer questions. It was told to me by my friend, I miss him very much at a restaurant in what I consider to be the greatest story ever told to me. It came up because one guy at the table was talking about how great Craigslist is, and my friend said, well actually let me tell you a story. In a really bad place of my life, meet a girl off Craigslist dated. Whole thing turned south pretty fast. But being in a really bad place in my life ignored all the warning signs. Broke contacted, moved away moved on with my life. Couple month later she sent me a text saying, I know what you did, that's a felony the cops will come after you. Now being afraid this woman I called her and said WTF. Apparently, someone posted a video of her onto one of those revenge porn sites. I told her I never did it, and I'm happy now and don't want to be dragged down by her because, I was happy now. Hung up and thought nothing of it. Fast forward two weeks, and she sent me a long text message, that she was the one that posted it there, and was hoping it would be the attention she needed to bring me back into her life. That's when I changed my phone number. Depression and Craigslist dating do not mix. Was looking for roommate somehow this person thought I was a girl. Kept sending d-pics, and I kept texting I am a dude. He was like sure girl. The things I would do blah blah. Finally I had enough told this guy come to my house. Idiot shows up with flowers. I come out and tell look him a dude not a chick. He tells me tease throws the flowers on the ground. I sat there just shocked. Guy sends me a text a week later wish you would have been a girl with all that teasing. I was about 15 and had $115 from saving and Xmas money. I was looking through listings for guitars, and someone had posted a square Telecaster for $100. I text the number, saying I'm interested. Guy says he still has it, but wants $120 for it. I respond saying $110 is as high as I want to go. He says $120 or nothing. I respond saying that if that was the price amount. He then proceeded to text me for 3 days calling me an asshole and a piece of shit for not buying a guitar from him, and how good of a deal it was. Saturday rolled around, and the text had stopped, but around 11pm, I started getting calls. He was drunk and still mad. At that point I blocked his number. 